Hi everyone, welcome back to our little green pasture. I have some good bread of life to be sharing with you guys today. And before I get started, I want to make an announcement. I want to let you know that after this video today, I'm going to be gone until probably the weekend because John's son is getting married on Friday. And so there's a lot that we have to do to get ready. And so, well, you know, there's just stuff to do. So in case you're wondering, where's Joni? I'll be getting ready to go to a wedding. And I'm hoping that all of us will be getting ready to go to the big wedding. Because, <laughs> you know, that's what I'll be thinking of when I'm there. So amen, right? All right, so it's so good to be back here. You know, I just love this so much. I just want to say just a few words instead of just being, you know, like a little soldier. Um, I just love doing this so much. It means so much to me. And the fruit that and the, the fruit that I receive in the morning, the bread that I receive, the water of life uh, that I receive from him, I just love so much sharing it with you because I always think if it's speaking to me, then no doubt it's got to be speaking to others. And so I'm going to pray and I'm just going to get started and let those living waters flow forth out of my belly. Father in heaven, I thank you for this day and for another chance, Lord Jesus, to be a blessing, Lord, first to you and then, Lord, to others as being only a vessel unto you. And that, Lord, you would take this humble little vessel and that, Lord, you would speak through me and that you would lead me and guide me and I will follow you. Lord, I thank you that we are all followers of you because you're the one who knows the way. And I want to thank you, Lord, for this blessing. And I just ask you to move out in front of me and Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be the one who opens eyes and ears and that he will even open mine too, even as I speak for who knows, Lord God, what you will, you will take from you and show to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let me just start talking. So the last two or three days, I've been looking at videos of just amazing stories of missionaries, just random ones. And a friend of mine was saying, look at this one, look at that one. And they were all powerful. You know, the ones that we listened to and we're like, wow. Wow, look what they did. Look what they started with nothing. They had nothing and and they heeded the word, the call of God and and God led them and and then at the same time as I was watching this, I kept I kept thinking of this word following God, like following. And I'm going to marry this all together, so just let me start plopping stuff into the soup and then I'll feed you the soup when I'm done. Um and so as I was watching these videos and just in awe, um, I was, and this was yesterday, I was like, I felt like I reached my limit. Like I thought, I don't know why, like I feel I'm being overfed. Um, but I, but I, I had a good night's sleep. And so this morning I thought, well, I'm going to watch this one more and it was so good and it was this really little old lady and she was talking about her and her husband and 
their ministry in Calcutta and how they began, how they got there and how there was nothing and how God provided for everything. And I mean, literally the God of the impossible. And she was saying impossible is his favorite word. And, you know, I've come to know the Lord that way because the way that I have gone and I cannot even light a match to, the, to those amazing people. But in my own private little life, I can honestly say that I have come to know the God of the impossible. And I think many of you have too. In fact, I think many of us come to know Jesus Christ first as the God of the impossible. And so after I got done watching it, this strange feeling came over me. And I'm just going to be honest and you're going to be like, Joan, what's up, right? So I'm just going to be honest because I think that when I'm honest, then you can be transparent and we can all open up and we can discuss it. Okay. So anyways, of all things, all of a sudden I felt this intense feeling of not measuring up. And though I know that I could counsel my own self and say, Joni, why would you think that about yourself? And then I would, I have this conversation with myself like, yeah, God's not calling you to go to Calcutta. God's not asking you to do this or that. God has you doing something else. And so what I want to say is for about 10 minutes, I got caught up in what I was uh, being tempted by looking at myself. And I got tempted by the enemy in that, where I was like, oh, wow, look at what they did. I, I mean, I'm in awe of it. And the insights that they have, and there was this feeling of me like, what insights could I ever get like them if I'm just always here and doing this life and this little encapsulated world that I'm in? I'm just being real, okay? This has nothing to do with being unthankful. This is not chomping at the bit at God and saying, well, you know, if I, you know, it has nothing to do with that. And I know I don't even have to do that with you guys. But for about 10 minutes, I went downwards and I thought I had to shake myself. I had to rise up and shake myself and go, stop, stop. And so let me just sticky note that over here because I want to go back to this morning or yesterday. So yesterday, um, I was thinking, I was listening to an Elizabeth Elliot video called relinquishment and it moved in me so much and i'm going to put it down below so you guys can listen to it okay because it's awesome and she was talking about relinquishing everything you know and so it really shook it shook me in a deep deep place because she spoke in ways of you know jesus christ she started with him look he relinquished heaven and he was born to a most likely a teenage girl. And so she went through this whole thing of what he had to relinquish. And then she started to talk about different people who were in mission that were in missions, a couple that was in missions. And she was saying, Oh, this couple relinquished everything. And she, she memorized this prayer that the woman, there was a woman, a man and a woman. And it seems like it was probably a long time ago because there was these and nows that she memorized. And 
she was memorizing this beautiful relinquishment prayer. And of course, I don't have it before me. Please listen to it below. But it was like, I give everything to you. I relinquish all. I give all. I relinquish. And she was talking about the things that she was giving up for Christ. And this couple went to China. And the sad story was, which is sad, humanly speaking, but in glory, they became martyrs. Um, they were both beheaded. She watched her husband become beheaded first, and then she was beheaded after him. And so, uh, so I thought about this. I thought, you know, when we relinquish our, our self, we, you know, there's, there's different times in our life that we do it to the degree we're able to relinquish our, 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 what, where we're at, what we have materialistically, um, to the degree of our faith and you know, there, there's things and places that we can relinquish. And at my age now, I really gave it some deep thought and it really, really stopped me in my tracks. It really did. And so in combination with everything that I'm saying about the call of God, listening to these missionaries, missionary people and women and their call of God on their life, all of a sudden I realized with that relinquishment that I had not really relinquished some, some things in my life that I needed to relinquish with to Christ if I am to go forward with him. And so this morning I sat before him quietly and I didn't want to do a bunch of talking. And I really thought about that and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I said, and I was just real. And I had listened also to, to a Catherine Coleman 38 minute. I'll put it below. She talked about the Holy Spirit and who he is. And, but she, it was such an anointed word. And, and so with all this, it was like a tornado, right? Like watching all these uh, videos of these amazing missionaries who started with nothing when God called them and how God just blossomed out their life and miracles were done. And, and I mean, we're talking stuff that they were doing that I know I'm not called to do. And so I, I, then in combination with listening to the work of the Holy spirit and then to listen to what it means to relinquish. And it had brand new meaning to me. And that's when it hit me this morning when I, for about 10 minutes went South and I really asked those questions. I'm not going to beat myself up because I think it's necessary for us to have that cry to God and to say what we really mean when we read that. Maybe I, and I'll say this, I think sometimes it's meant for us to get there, to get to that place where we go, is this it, Lord? Is this it? Is there any more for me, Lord? Do I just exist for the rest of my life uh, here and just do these three things every day or these or whatever? And so I want to caution all of us to just be careful that we don't do that to the Lord. We don't mean to really in really in truth is that we see such wonderful things in the Lord that we want to be partakers of that divine nature. We want to be we want to call we want to heed a call of God in our life. And many of, us, many of us feel that we don't really have a call. I mean, we could tell ourselves we have a call and 
But, you know, I think what happens is we have mistaken the fact that there are different calls of God. I know you guys know this. I'm not telling you anything you haven't heard. But there's something about when God waits till you're older and he allows you to be called in so many different things in different stages along the way. For instance, I was reading something about Amy Carmichael. Okay, this is a good example. And I'm going to read, I'm going to remember something too about Finney. Anyway, um, you know, it was, I was reading about her life and somebody had written about her. They said on, in, on May such and such, 1902, Amy's life changed forever. Well, you know, when Amy was first called, she was 18 years old and she was walking by a fountain and she heard the voice of God speak to her. And she said, even this light shone. And she heard him say the words from first Corinthians chapter three. Um, Each man should be careful uh, how he builds upon this foundation for his work shall be tried with fire to see what sort it is. And she heard God speak those words to her. So there was a period, the first uh, part of her life was she went into evangelistic ministry to Japan. And so, you know, she thought this was her call and it was, that was her beginning call. And then sometime later, God's calling her to leave Japan to go to India. So she goes there for evangelism. And then it was on that May, in May 1902, that a seven-year-old girl ran away from a Hindu temple where she was sold by her parents as a prostitute. Her name was Prina. And she ran to her for to help her. And it said, the person that wrote that said, from that day, Amy's life changed forever for the next 46 years. But I say that there's one, there's a third thing God did is that he, I mean, she felt she, she didn't, this wasn't of him, but she fell in a ditch and she twisted her spine. And I think she broke, broke something in her foot. Something happened and she lay in bed for the next 21 years. And that was when she did her finest work in bed, in pain. And, and so we, we tend to glamorize this call of God because we think that the call of God is some big outward uh, evangelistic campaign or big crusades or big meetings. And that's not the call of God most of the time. And I think most of the time when people do those, things are not called of really called of God to do it. They just do it. And then they expect the Holy Spirit to show up. Um, so back to this morning when I was looking at that um, video, I just all of a sudden for 10 minutes, I thought, I just feel like, is there something more? And I had been knowing for the last three days and in prayer saying, Lord, I know that there's something more. And it's coming. Otherwise, why would my heart feel like this? I'm too old. I'm not a little girl. I'm not 20 years old. I'm not 30 years old. I'll be 60 years old. And I've been with you all these years. And I understand and know you to the degree of my age. And I can tell you there's something going on in my heart. And I know it's not me. I know it's you. Do you understand what I'm saying to you guys? Doesn't that ever happen to you? Where you know something's happening inside of you and you're like, it's, it's, it's growing and it's getting bigger and bigger. And so when I saw that relinquishment, I thought, 
Lord, I do. And I said, I got to, I got to think about it because I was saying to myself, like I was thinking about what Elizabeth Elliot said, she said, there's things that you'll have to relinquish. Um, there's circumstances you'll have to relinquish even places like places where you live, like where you want to live, you'll have to relinquish if you truly want to be used of God. And I really sat there this morning in the dark, in silence, because my heart felt like it was expanding and enlarging. And I said to him, and I heard those words in my mind, because I thought about the call, because you see, a lot of times that call can take us places we never thought we could go, and it's not pretty. And so I thought about what happened to Finney, where he was, uh, Charles Finney was one of the top lawyers. Um, it was in the late, I would say, uh, 1800s, one of the top lawyers in our nation. Uh, and no, in, well, I'll just talk about it. He was a top lawyer. He, in England. Um, he was Dean of Oberlin college. Um, I think that's what the name of the college was. You're free to correct me. And he was sitting at his desk one day and he said to himself, and he was a totally a believer. And he said, is this all there is? I'm the Dean of a top university. I'm a well-known successful attorney. Is this all there is? And that day he went home from work and he walked out to the edge, looking over the cliff at the ocean. And he heard the Lord say to him, and it was something like this. So don't quote me, but it was something like this. I'm trying to do it by memory. Um, are you willing to go further with me? It was something like that. And he didn't answer because he understood that that was not a question you say uh, yes to right away. And so he asked God, can you give me three days? And he went home and he said that three days of wrestling and prayer was the most, I, I forget the words, but it was the most radical wrestling he had ever had with the Lord. And he said, but the last hour, because he was going to meet him back at that one spot. He said an hour before he was in his bedroom wrestling in prayer with the Lord. He said, I was sweating. I mean, he said he was under intense strain. And then finally, a moment came where he walked out to that cliff and he said, yes, Lord. This morning, I sat in quiet and I thought, "Will I? Re can I relinquish all? Will I relinquish all to you? And a slight little bit of fear came in. You know what that means, Joni? And I was like, answered myself, yes, I know what that means. And I was quiet again. And I heard the words within me where Peter said to Jesus, when he asked them, will you also go away? And Peter answered, where else shall I go? Where else shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. But I heard that like for myself. And I said to the Lord, Lord, where else shall I go? You alone have the words of eternal life. I looked at the today after I prayed that I opened my Bible and I read through all my different parts and I came to Hebrews 6 and it's verse 12. 
And it says, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Well, right before, right as I thought that, right when I saw that before, as I was reading my other chapters, I was thinking about everybody that I was listening to over the last two or three days in their lives. And then there was like a fight within my heart. And I said, and I remember saying, even in prayer, I said, Lord, I love what they did. And I'm so happy to hear about what they did. I learned so much from them. I said, but they're not here and I'm here. I said, I just, I just struggled. Right. And then I kept thinking, like I said, in the beginning of this one, I was saying to you about following, about following the Lord. I said, Lord, I'll follow you, whatever you want. And then when I got to that verse, it says, be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And then I thought about Paul. You know, I thought about Jesus when we before about Paul. I thought about G Jesus when it's where he says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear me and I know them and they follow me. And then Paul says, actually, he says it three times in the uh, New Testament. He says, be ye, follow, be ye followers of me. And I never really saw that. I mean, I read that verse before of followers of them. And so it trickles down. And so, you know, some people might have a problem with that. Like, well, we shouldn't be following people. You're right. We shouldn't just be following anybody. But when Paul the Apostle says, follow me, that's because he's following Christ. And if we're following other people, it's because they are they had followed Christ. And, and it says for us to, to do that, to follow certain, doesn't say certain. Well, yeah, actually kind of it does. Because it says that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And he says, be not slothful. Be not slothful. And I think slothfulness comes in when we tell ourselves, well, I'm not going to ever be called of God. And so we give up. Have you ever had that disappointment? Because you see, for 10 minutes, I was disappointed. 10 minutes. And I'm sorry to say that I was, but it was good for me because I checked that at the door of God, at his door, where I checked that disappointment. And I said to the Lord, Lord, why should I be disappointed. I thank you for the call in my life. I thank you that everybody has a call in their life. And it's not some big one. It's not a big, huge call of God. You know, I think again, I'm going to talk, I'm going to take a talk about that call. Um, you know, because we, it says, because I want to say, don't feel that the call of God always has to be some big audible voice. And so many people of this postmodern world think that they have to hear an audible voice. I need you in India. You know, it's like, it doesn't happen that way. Um, it is more, it's more of a quiet sense of peace. It's a quiet sense. Sometimes it happens in prayer. Sometimes you could be washing dishes. It's an assurance. It's a, and it grows into a conviction and it's this quiet pressure 
it's it's you feel the pressure of God's hand on you and it's quiet it's inside it's it's something that we have to do this is the call of God and this is for those who are open to that call see we miss out on so many calls of God because we think that we have to have some big you know something coming to get us and it's tangible and it's out and it's outward Jesus doesn't work that way. You know, I think about back to that relinquish. I think that when we hold on to so many ideas of our own and being called of God and 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 our journey home and all the things that we're doing in this life that are that make up a Christian life, I think a lot of times we were sold a bill of goods that are no good because all this time all we have ever known is that we go to church, we hear somebody speak, we pop in some Christian music, we say some prayers here and there, we try to have fellowship. But I'm telling telling you right now, somebody who's been on this journey for a long time, that's not the whole totality of the Christian, the full round abundant Christian life. The Christian life is hard. It is fraught with tears. It is uh, spiritually backbreaking. Um, we are, I mean, it could, it's, it's mostly always very hard because we are, we are in a stream of life that's going against the stream of the things that are eternal that are within us. So it's a constant conflict that we're finding, but this is the things that we're growing up to. And as I was reading about all these people's lives, I thought, well, I might not have done all these things, but I can say in my life, and you can say in your life, I know many of you, so many of you tell me about your life, where you've come from, families you were born into, the abuse you were taken, the abandonment, the rejection, and that being over and over again, homelessness, but something in you kept, you heard the call. Jesus Christ kept calling you. Am I right? I know I'm right. Because you see, we get, we get, we get feeling that if we look in the wrong direction at what a call of God is, then we're going to check our own selves and we're going to take some sideline seat and say, well, I'm not good enough. There's something that's maybe God can't use. And I was doing that to myself this morning. I thought, well, you know, Joni, you know, there's a lot of stuff in your life and these people, they were raised by Christian parents and, and they had all these things. And I thought, no, that's wrong to think that I'm happy that they did. I want to share something with you. I'm bringing it to my memory. I, this is years ago. I belonged to a church years ago and the pastor, this young couple started at the church and they were a lovely couple. I love them. They were precious. I mean, they were your classic classic children being raised in wonderful Christian homes. And so, I mean, they were, they like emanated Maranatha, Christian parents. Um, They were newlyweds. I mean, they were, it was very attractive. And so, and I'm thinking to myself, because, you know, I'd be around them. I knew where they come from. And I think, oh man, I came up the hard way. I came, I came, I I, I was like born like on the battlefield. I know I was, I was born in the battlefield. I was like, man, I hit the ground running, so to speak. And my life was on. And sometimes I would say they they have advantage because their whole life they've known Christ. 
They've always been around Christ. I mean, they've never known what it means to have that feeling of being completely lost, down on the ground, broken. And I do. And there was a part of me that was not liking that. And I wished I could knew that of them. And one day the pastor was talking to me and he said, oh, I love this couple. They're so wonderful. I'm so envious of how they were raised. And I knew this pastor to be like, he was, you know, he had spent time in prison. Um, he uh, was part of a big time motorcycle gang and, you know, tattooed up and down the whole thing. And all of a sudden it struck me and it made me so angry, but it was like a righteous anger. And I wanted to slam my fist down and I go, what are you talking about? Look at what Jesus has done for you. And you're going to wish all that away. I said, man, I'm glad now that I went the way I did. I'm happy for them. Don't get me wrong. That is beautiful. And there's purpose for that life. But don't you ever say you wish you had that. Because you have something they can never have. And let me say that to you. That you have something no money can buy. Something God can use. Every day in your life. And he knows that you're ready. He knows that he can count on you. As long as you are willing. And as long as you want to be in the will of the Lord. Because the only will that's going to matter in your life is God's will. And so when you relinquish everything and looking at yourself, you're going to see the call of God in your life is not according to your own nature, what you can give to God um, or anything at all. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. And, you know, I just want to encourage you, you know, I look at Paul the Apostle, like I mentioned earlier, you know, when Paul the Apostle uh, was an old man, he was referring to himself as the prisoner, the prisoner of Christ, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. You know, I think it takes all the sting out of the disappointment, the disappointments that we have if we see it as Paul did. Isn't it interesting that never once does Paul ever refer to himself as Nero's prisoner? Though he was chained by Nero's chain and was in Nero's prison in his cell. This should be a great comfort to us, you know, because we're never going to admit domination. Don't admit domination of this world over yourself, not even for an hour. Because you know what? God kicks something and he makes something out of nothing. It's when we think we're coming with something, he's got nothing to work with. When we relinquish everything to God, now God has something to work with with you. All you need to be is of a willing mind and go with that call of God. Look at look at Paul. He started off as um, you know, the apostle. He's going on mission trips. And he's doing all these things. And at the end, you know, and it was rough for him. And he was, I mean, you know his whole story. But at some point in Philemon, in that prison letter, he calls himself twice the prisoner of the Lord and Paul the aged. See, God prepared him for that. The call of God has many different levels. 
But you see, one thing that stands out to me is it says, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope and to the end. You know, if you if you do things God's way and you stay in his will, he'll use you every day. And make sure that you know that Jesus Christ, his spirit, this Holy Spirit moves. He's very quiet. He's quiet in his presence. And I noticed something yesterday. One last thing. I just want to pop this in here. You notice how everything is so loud. You know, loud music. There's so much preaching out there where people are screaming. But it says in the word that the in the word in Ecclesiastes, it says, For the words of the wise are heard and quiet more than the shouts of a king, though he be a fool. And when I was listening to Catherine Kuhlman, she started to whisper about the Holy Spirit. It was so anointing, anointed that she started to whisper because of his presence. And so I found myself leaning in and I felt in myself, Joni, did you see what you just did? You see that still small voice. It causes you to lean in so you can hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. It's a, my whole physical being went forward like this so I could listen. You see, God will speak to you with quiet assurance, with the guiding pressure of his loving hand upon your heart. And he will use you and he will call upon you all the days of your life. And you know, lastly, my heart was so filled up this morning and the words came into my mind of Psalm 132, four and five. I will not give sleep to mine eyes nor slumber to mine eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord, a habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. And that is how I felt in my spirit, man. I said, oh, my heart was like enlarging like the sand of the seashore. And I said, Lord, I said, I will not give sleep to my eyes. That's how it feels like I cannot sleep. I even got up. I was up at two o'clock this morning. I was like, I can't, can't even sleep. I will not give sleep to my eyes nor slumber to my eyelids. I have to go meet the Lord. I have to talk to him. And it was a wonderful time in him. And I don't have very much more to say about this. But remember that the call of God is not according to anything else, but his own nature and not ours. It's, and I... It's, it's not that, and I love something right here I wrote, uh, I copied from Oswald Chambers. He says, the call of God is not the echo of my nature. My affinities and personal temperament are not considered. He says, as long as I consider my personal temperament and think about what I am fitted for, I shall never hear the call of God. But when I am brought into relationship with God, I am in the condition Isaiah was in. Isaiah's soul was so attuned to God by the tremendous crisis he had gone through that he recorded the call of God to his amazed soul. The majority of us have no ear for anything but ourselves. We cannot hear a thing, God says. To be brought into the zone of the call of God is to be profoundly altered. And Isaiah was in the zone of God 
because God wasn't personally asking Isaiah and Isaiah 6 if he would go for them. But he was so near to God and his spirit was so wide open that he could hear God speaking in the triune, the triune Godhead speaking. What man is he who will go for us? Whom shall we send and who shall go for us? And because he was so near to God, he said, here I am, Lord, send me. And that's the zone that you need to be in. That's the zone we're praying for.